That was some good worship. Yeah. When God's anointing comes upon those who are leading, the Spirit of God just seems to flow even deeper into our hearts and into our souls. And worship moves from singing into a much deeper, powerful, moving experience. That's done by the Holy Spirit, who is with all those who are believers, who are belonging to Jesus Christ. And you can't explain it to someone who has no idea or concept of what that's all about. Why do people have tears running out the sides of their faces when they're singing? What is it that moves them? What is it that causes the hand to rise to God? Or if you're really demonstrative, both hands. What is it? <laughs> what is it about that worship that moves our soul? Now there's great singing. People sing all around the world. Some fantastic music. As a matter of fact, my friend and your brother in Christ, Dean Walters, Waters, right over here. Stand up, Dean. Dean's Quartet won first place. And he also sings in a chorus, and they won first place. That's good singing. But there's, there's something about singing with spirit to the Lord. Something about worship singing that's different. Something about the move of God in our hearts and our minds. What is that? It's called relationship. It's called relationship. When I was a kid, people used to say, what religion are you? You know, are you Protestant? Are you Catholic? Are you, what are you? And I said, I don't have a religion. I have a relationship. The difference between following a set of rules, ideas, concepts and having a personal relationship is totally different. Right on. So I had a relationship with Jesus Christ. When I was around six years old, I went to a Backyard Good News Club. This is Goodall. Ran it for the children in the area. And she shared with us the wordless book. Gave us an opportunity to ask Jesus into our heart. And at the ripe old age of six, having spent years in vanity and pride, carrying not my Lord was crucified. I guess I got that one wrong. But anyway, I accepted Jesus into my heart. 
And a change began that day, not by me, but by God. God began to change me. And I always knew he was there. I always had a sense of God's presence. Now, there are a few times in my life when I thought he might have forgotten me. When circumstances in my life were not the best in the world, and I felt abandoned. And I remember one time, are you there, Lord? Because we, we see the circumstances in life just seem to overcome everything. Where's the warm, fuzzy, cotton candy clouds experience? You know, tiptoeing through the tulips. Where's, where's that? I thought when you became a Christian that you had this experience where he's just kind of floating on air and everything's wonderful. And it's not the way it works, is it? Sometimes, as a matter of fact, Jesus said, don't be surprised if they persecute you because they persecuted me first. And sometimes circumstances get very hard to take. Questions that we can't answer. Why did this happen? Why at the age of did this person face this thing? Why did they pass on so early in their age? What, how do we answer questions like that? Well, we can't. We can't answer them. I mean, there is an answer. I can give you a theological answer for it, but it would seem cold and, <laughs> and uncaring just to spurt out the answer. But relationship is the beginning of devotion. This is what we want to talk about this morning, devotion. Webster's Dictionary describes devotion as the act of dedicating someone's, something to a cause, enterprise, or activity. The fact or state of being adherently dedicated and loyal. <clears throat> devotion. Have you seen uh, Trailblazers devotees? I have. I remember I took David to a playoff game years ago when he was younger. And uh, we got the good seats up there in high area. <laughs> Get a better all over view from the up above, I told him. <laughs> Didn't have exactly have a pocketbook and the playoff tickets weren't cheap. But that was one game we went to where we stood the entire time. From the minute they entered the court, the cheering and the, and the, the unbelievable fervency in that place was unbelievable. There were devotees who were devoted to the trailblazers. There's people who pay money for season tickets 
in the thousands of dollars devoted. People are devoted to what they love and gives them so much satisfaction. Devoted to it. I was at the Super Bowl game and he was sitting up a little bit higher and he was looking for an empty seat that he might be able to sit in, you know. And right down there at the 50-yard line was a seat open. And he waited the whole first half. Nobody sat in that seat. So finally he got the nerve up and went down and there's a guy sitting next to the seat. He says, uh, is this your seat? He says, well, I bought it, but it was for my wife. And, and she passed away. He said, oh, I'm very sorry. I feel kind of embarrassed now. I'm, but didn't you have any friends or family that you could have given the seat to? He says, yeah, but they're all at the funeral. That's what we call devotion. That's what we call devotion. Don't worry, honey, I'll be there, I promise. When something has a grip of you and you can't wait to be in the presence of somebody, you're devoted to them. Hopefully, it's your wife <laughs> or husband. I better get that one right, sorry. <laughs> Being in the, wanting to be in the very presence. I, I, think back to you when you were dating and uh, you found the perfect person. The, uh, I remember a gal uh, in the ninth grade and she, uh, she sat in the first two rows of my English class. And I didn't mind it because anywhere in the class I was nearer, and the teacher didn't care at all because when she left, she turned around and wiped off the blackboard for her. She had very affectionate eyes. They were always looking at each other. Tears ran down her back. The doctor called it bacteria. Okay, I'll stop. David's going... Yeah, they can edit. Did you know that? They have the ability. <laughs> when, you, when you want the, your first girlfriend or boyfriend or whoever it was, and, and you, you just can't wait to be with them. You want to be with them all the time. That's because you have a desire that is, and you become devoted to them. So I'm wondering... Here's what it says in the Song of Solomon. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. God sees us as his beloved. And if we return that, then we become, he becomes our beloved. 
So what is it about the relationship of people that are, that are beloved? Well, for one thing, there's got to be a part that comes in calling knowledge. How can you possibly love something you don't know anything about? You don't know anything about it. There's no way you can have a love for it. If I talk about the Miss Avacadeca, you know, what in the world is that? How can you have any relationship with it? But if I say chocolate fudge brownie, and you happen to like that, then you can relate to it. So part of our relationship about become with God, as he becomes our beloved, is getting to know him, getting to know all about him. And that's really what you want to do when you, when you love somebody. And here's the thing. The more you get to know the Lord, the more you love the Lord. Just, it's just the way it works. It, it, it's actually a growth thing. You become more and more in love with Jesus, the more and more you know about Jesus. That calls a relationship. That means we seek after him. We want to be in his presence. We want to be near him. We want to be with him. And we want to be with his people, his family, his beloveds, loving each other. That becomes a natural thing. Now, without devotion, without any love that's understandable, that you've known and that you've grown with, it's just a gathering. You know, let's get down to the, they have these, uh, at the athletic club I have, they have these game nights. Uh, you can go down there and play games. Just a gathering of people. Just for the purpose of having some fun. I can't do that because unless I win, I don't have any fun. <laughs> it's a terrible thing. It's, it's really a horrible thing. But that's totally different than getting together with people who you love. Family that you love. I'm not talking about family you don't love. Some of you have that situation. Thanksgiving's coming up and <laughs> there's a lot of people who dread Thanksgiving and Christmas because they gotta go to the family and, but a family you love is different. So what are the signs of somebody who loves the Lord and is devoted to him? They want to be with him. They want to spend time with him. They want to spend time with those who are like themselves, beloved of God and beloved each other. Paul says, to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, we're beloved of God. 
2 Thessalonians 2.13 says, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord. But Paul also talks about brothers in Christ, Colossians 4.7. Titicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister. Well, how does this relationship begin? I'm going to give you a little clue. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it says, We love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. We are responding to the love of God. <coughs> and he demonstrated his love towards us and that why we were still sinners, he died for us. <coughs> he demonstrates his love towards us. He loves us so much, we can't even begin to understand the depth of his love. <coughs> he goes beyond all measure. He loves us. When you find out, you know, somebody says, you know, so-and-so really likes you. They really like you a lot. Well, you'd like to meet the person who likes you. On the other hand, if somebody says, that person can't stand you, you're not real happy about going over and meeting them. <laughs> but when somebody really likes you, you'd like to meet who they are. See what's wrong with them? Oh, no, I mean, that's me. We can respond to love. It's easy. We can respond to love. And that's what we do. Our relationship to God begins with he loves us and gave his life for us. He demonstrates his love towards us. Doesn't just talk about it. He demonstrates it. He loves us. And that's how the relationship begins. Good way to start, isn't it? Starts in love. Doesn't have to build to it. You know, doesn't mean like you meet the person, decide whether or not you're going to like them or not. No, it's an instant relationship with God because his love is so powerful. It's so great. It's so engulfing. I remember when I was just a little tiny kid back in the 1900s. <laughs> I was in school. I was about, I think it's second grade, third grade, fourth grade, probably third grade. Anyway, we're out in the field and, you know, this is when they had things for kids like merry-go-rounds that make you sick, slippery monkey bars so you break your arm. They had all these wonderful things. In fact, one school I went to was totally paved in asphalt. So when you run and you fall, you just take the skin right off you. And you go into the nurse's office and she pulls out this red stuff called mercurochrome. Translated, the most torturous liquid in the world. 
And they put it on and it just stung like you wouldn't believe. And you cry out in pain, she says, good, it's working. <laughs> so you just come up with different ideas. You know, we didn't have all these video games and telephones and all that kind of stuff. Telephone was hooked up to the wall, you couldn't take it with you. <laughs> and so we were out there and guess what they had? Lots of little pebbles around. So we're going to play a game called Pelt Your Brother. <laughs> and I'm, we're out there running around, and all of a sudden this one, and the guy must have picked up a pretty good size chunk. Not supposed to use the big ones. It's not Goliath. <laughs> and it hit me right in the leg, and boom, I went down. <clears throat> and big boys don't cry. No, how much pain doesn't matter. So I'm going, ah. And his teacher, this beautiful angel, came floating over. <laughs> and she put her arms around me and she pulled me to her side and she said, Are you okay? I lost it. <laughs> it felt so good and so tender. I just. <laughs> There's something about nurture, care, love, compassion, kindness that you just kind of fall into. Your guard is down. That's what God, he loves us. And he draws himself, us right to himself. The love of God is powerful. Responding is not hard. In fact, it's Hard not to respond in gratefulness and thankfulness. And when you find a, a God who loves so much that he understands who you are because he created you. He understands every one of your sorrows, every one of your trials, every one of your tribulations, every one of your faults. He understands them. And is more than willing to be patient as we begin the journey walking with him while he changes our lives. And it's a very interesting thing. I, you know, as a pastor, three years you have people who are what I might call pious, who, uh, you know that George, don't anybody name George here, do we? Every once in a while, I'll say a name and he goes, hey, what are you talking about? Me, Mark. I don't think we have a George right now. But anyway, if you're watching by ear, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> so, <laughs> I forgot my train of thought. <laughs> Pius. Pius the fourth. Anyway. They, they, thank you very much. I'm glad somebody's listening. <laughs> they seem to have the gift of judgment. Not in a good way. But they're judging everything somebody does. And like, that person really couldn't love the Lord because every time we hear about them, they've done another thing that they got to ask for forgiveness for. They... 
You know what Jesus said? To whom much is forgiven, greater is their devotion, their love, their thanks, thankfulness. And I'll have to admit that that's true. When I think of how many times God has forgiven me, remember, starting at the age of six, I became a Christian. That's a lot of time to do things wrong. I was a boy with ADD. <laughs> God's forgiven me a lot. In fact, a guy went to heaven and he saw, came into this huge room with all these clocks. And they were all ticking at different speeds. And he says, what, what's the, going on here? He says, well, those are the people on earth. And every time they sin, they do one tick at a time. Some are going very slowly. Some are almost stopped. Some are going fairly fast. And they said, uh, I'm just curious, can you show me Pastor Dave's? He said, yeah, it's in the other room. We're using it as a fan. But just because one fails a lot doesn't mean that they don't love God and God doesn't love them. I just want you to understand this. It's not about performance. It's about relationship of God loving us. He certainly understands. Now, should we stay in that fan mode? Absolutely not. But it's God who gives us the ability to overcome it once we get to know him better and better. And the more his influence on our lives begin to take place, we find ourselves wanting to be like him. <clears throat> like a little child who says, I want to be like you. So we are children of God. I want to be like Jesus. And it's from a compassion and a love we want to be like him, not from a disciplinary situation where, okay, I'm going to toe the line, I'm going to do it. It comes from a compassion and a love and a devotion and a desire to be like Jesus. If I could just be like Jesus. But how can you be like somebody you don't know? Not the Jesus somebody forms in their mind. but the Jesus who is real. You got to know the Bible. You got to know the scriptures. You got to understand the love of Jesus and the non-condemnation of Jesus. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And John 3.17 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. And yet throughout the ages, the church has done exactly that. You bunch of drinkers, smokers, chewers, and doers. You evil people. Repent! God didn't come to condemn. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He doesn't do it by pointing the finger. He does it by opening his arms and say, 
Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden. Come unto me, those who are struggling. Come unto me, those who are hurting. And I'll give you rest. He does, he does it by invitation, not accusation. And yet how the church has at least perceived to do just the opposite. All these giant campaigns against this issue and that issue. It's not like those issues aren't wrong, and I agree that they are. But how do we respond? We love him because he first loved us. And if we're showing the world Jesus the condemner, we're doing him a disservice. If we're showing Jesus the lover of your soul, God loves you. God loves you. Has a wonderful plan for your life. Because he made you. You're his creation. He delights in you. He wants to have relationship with you. God is stretching out his hand to you. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the only the start of it. But that's how it begins, doesn't it? It begins by the relationship of him loving us, and we're responding to that love. So what do we show the world? We need to show the world God's love. When they see, they'll say, how they love one another. Is that the testimony the church has in the world? A lot of times it's quite the opposite. I went to that church and man, did I get burned. How they seem to dislike one another. We have our comfort zone. <laughs> we have the people we feel most comfortable with. And in churches, they, they call them cliques. And you'll find these cliques of people who are very, very comfortable with one another, who spend a lot of time really enjoying each other, while somebody else sits there by themselves. <laughs> Remember, we're, we're starting brand new churches, and, and we're interviewing uh, a person, and we said, uh, what do you like about this year? He says, well, we're all starting from scratch here. There's no seniority. There's none of this stuff. I've been here for 45 years, and it's just we're all together. We haven't formed any cliques yet. And then they said this, we're hoping to, not realizing what they were saying. Not realizing what they were saying. You don't want to form cliques. That's the last thing you want to do. That's called division. Can we have all the whoever? <laughs> I was going to use some examples, and I thought, hey, no, that could be a problem. <laughs> they gather over here. The hunters, the gatherers, the... the sports guys, the whatever. And they share among themselves and they have a great old time, but they don't realize what they're doing in neglecting others.
See, love does not divide. Our relationship with God has to be one as we get to know him. He's not the God of chaos. He's not the God of confusion. He's the God of love and kindness and gentleness and nurture and care. He's a God of invitation, not accusation. He's a God who smiles, does not frown. Now, there are times when God's displeased. There's no question about that. Not saying that's not the case always, but when it comes to the lost, he's always trying to seek and save that which was lost. That's why he broke all the rules when he was here on earth. Who do you go and spend time with? Woman at the well. The woman was at the well because she couldn't go during the regular time when the other women went because she was scorned, disliked, had relationships with many of the men in the town. And Jesus was not supposed to talk to somebody so unworthy. As a rabbi, as a holy person, you distance yourself. He had a conversation with her. <laughs> He's going through Jericho and he, and he uh, sees this little guy up in a tree. And He's hated by everybody in town because he's the IRS agent who's collecting all the taxes. And he wasn't an honest one. He was taking money for his own gain. And people did not like that. And Jesus stops the parade, so to speak, as he's going through with all this entourage. And he says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to have lunch with you today. Let's go eat a meal together. No, 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 no. Rabbis didn't do that. Jesus did. And when Jesus touches something, never leaves it the same. Zacchaeus came out, a changed man. Paying back people more than he took from them. Jesus was seen as breaking all the rules according to the religious, the pious. Why? Because of love. He did not designate sinners saved. He loved everybody, and everybody was going to hear the gospel. So I asked myself the question, am I becoming more like Jesus out of a love, a desire, out of a devotion? Or am I trying to be more like Jesus because I'm following the rules? Got to have your devotions every day. Read 45 pages in the Bible. Got to pray three times a day. Or if you're Muslim, five. 
You got to do this, you got to do that. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about wanting to be in the presence of the one you love so much. I remember when this little junior high girl, and you know what? It's amazing what God does with young people. In fact, the younger they are, the more it's a marvel to watch. But she said, I could hardly wait to get home to crawl up into my dad's lap and say, Abba, Father. She was talking about God's lap. She saw herself crawling into his lap and putting her arms around the Lord just to be in his presence, just to be sense God's love. Have you ever had an experience like that where you think about God as a God who loves us, who invites us, throws his arms around us? This is my beloved. This is the one I created and the one my son died for. What kind of relationship do you have with Jesus? Is it just an intellectual one? Jesus was born on the earth. He did many things, so forth. Or is it a personal relationship where he actually says, my sheep hear my voice. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I'm his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there. The joy we share. Because God loves us. Do you have that relationship with God? Are you in love and devoted to the Lord? And if so, feed his sheep. Minister to one another. Not by Skype. But laying hands on one another. Praying for each other. Caring for each other. Back in the old days, when church first began, it was a custom to greet each other with a kiss. When I was in junior high, and I found that verse... That was the first one I memorized. <laughs> and I said to the teacher, I said, it says here, greet one another with a holy kiss. And the other one says, greet each other with a consecrated kiss. I thought it meant concentrated kiss. <laughs> but showing affection towards one another. Now, we don't, <clears throat> we don't do that now. There are some cultures that still do, by the way, not uncommon at all, to greet with a kiss. We don't do that here. It's a no-no. But we can show, just had four women, amen, stay back. I don't blame you. It's not in our culture. But there are things in our culture which we can show concern and care and nurture for. 
things we can do, which we should. If you love the Lord, you want to be more like him. You can't be more like him unless you're with him. And when he says, don't forsake gathering yourselves together, this comes the exhortation part. Don't forsake the gathering yourselves together as some have. It means you got to be here to be helping others. And well, I can't help anybody. You can too. Because God can use anything. Just ask Balaam's donkey. God can use anyone in many ways that you're not even aware of. In fact, he's chosen that. Should the eye say to the hand, I have no need of you? No, we're the body of Christ, knit together. You got to be here. You don't be here because I have to be there. I got to follow rule number 482. Be at church at all times whenever the doors are open. That's not it. You come because you love Jesus and you love his people. And you can't hardly wait to see them. And I, and I tell you, I look forward to every Sunday. You might be able to tell that. <laughs> Grabbing you as you come. You're not going to get by me. At least I gave up the kissing bar, you know. <laughs> oh, Roger, you liked it. <laughs> we love each other. I love to go to church. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. That's what David said. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house. The most torturous time we had was during COVID when we couldn't meet. And I kept saying to myself and every once in a while to David, let's meet anyway. Because we love each other. Not because I'm the most loving person in the world. That's not the way it is. It's because the love of God it's demonstrated in my life when God loves you through me. When he pours out his love on me and it gets so full, I can't contain it. It begins to splash out on all those who are around us. From the overflow, from the overflow of God's love, it just splashes out. And he fills me with his love. I can't contain his love. It goes way beyond where I can handle. My cup runneth over. Not out of rules, regulation, religion, but out of relationship. I am devoted to Jesus Christ because he's devoted to me and has demonstrated that and continues to demonstrate that. I can't tell you some of the times in my life, they're indescribable. But it's like this 
flow of love and compassion and care comes over me and I can, I can just barely handle the ecstasy that's involved in that. He fills me with joy and peace. And I don't care what else is going on at that particular time. I'm just enjoying the very presence of the Lord. That's what it's about. It's about relationship, not religion. It's about being loved by God and loving God back. It's about what he does in me, not what I do for him. I'm going to say that again. It's what he does for me, not what I do for him. He, him, Jesus, in me the hope of glory. Anything that's any good or valuable, anything that is worthy of gold, silver, precious stones, comes from Jesus. If you're, by, if you're touched by something that I say or do, it's not me, it's God. It's a fantastic thing. He'll use anybody who is willing. Here am I. Are you willing to say that? Here am I. However you can use me. I don't care if it's emptying trash cans, if it pleases the Lord. Whatever it is, whatever it is, Lord, whatever you have for me to do, you designed me, you gifted me, you know me inside and out, and you have a plan for me. Ephesians 2.10. We're his workmanship. <laughs> I'm a lot of work. When it says workmanship, I know what God's talking about. He's had to do a lot of work in my life. We're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for. What did he create us for? Tiptoeing through the tulips? Contemplating our navel? Laying back and enjoying the stars? No. He created us for good things, works, things that we do, which he already has in advance prepared for us. You don't have to say, okay, God, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to make this plan. I'm going to put it. No. All I have to say is, here am I. Send me. What do you have for me in my life today? Take my life and let it be. All yours. You be in control. I'm along for the ride. You don't have to generate anything. God already has it prepared for you. 